business leaders. Listen up. It's time to eliminate bad attitudes, politics, and distrust on your business teams. It's time to change the culture of your team. That means you as the leader must change. It's time for you to have impact. Learn how from corporate consultant Dave Anderson on Impact Talk Radio. Designed to impact high-impact leaders who want to lead high-impact teams. It's time to stop reacting and start leading. Here's Dave Anderson with Impact Talk Radio. You know, there's a woman I know who does nothing but serve others. I mean, every time I see her, she's helping off, helping out everybody else. She's offering food. She's, uh, she's just always there for everybody. And I'm amazed at her energy and her constant giving. I mean, and she's always in a good mood. Think about this. Who are the biggest servants you know? I'm talking about the people who never stop giving of themselves. They may be leaders with a title, or maybe there's somebody without a title. Just picture them in, in your mind for a second here. Now I ask you, how often have you ever seen that person have a bad attitude or a bad day? See, there's some reasons servants are happier people. One reason is they just think differently than everybody else. Real servants in the world, they, they, they just have a different way of looking at life. They don't allow their negative thoughts to get a foothold. The, the world is a negative place. You know, and if I'm not careful, I can drown in the negativity I hear from others or that I see on the news or I witness on the streets. See, the servant sees the possibilities instead of the consequences. They view tough situations as an opportunity to grow. They don't blame the circumstances and give up. And they don't ignore the circumstances either. They confront them and they learn. What others may complain about, they see as an opportunity to get better. Our thoughts control our words, and our words lead us to our actions. And if my thoughts are consistently negative, and my words and my, and my, words and my actions are going to be as well. The servant thinks differently and therefore speaks and acts differently. I'm Dave Anderson, and this is Impact Talk Radio. Now, you can find this show on iTunes, and if you do find the show on iTunes and you're listening to us there, please rate us. Give a rating to Impact Talk Radio. That's going to help other people find the show uh, when they go to iTunes. You can also find me on Twitter, at DaveAnderson88, or check out my blogs and all my other resources at AndersonLeadershipSolutions.com. First of all, those servants think differently, but secondly, they also believe differently. The servants I know, you know, they believe they can make a difference. You know, at times my bad attitude takes over when I see a problem that seems too big to fix. I look at the issue and convince myself I can't, I don't have control or, or enough influence and I just throw my hands up and surrender. When I feel helpless, my attitude dives right into that pit, you know, that, that pit we can all put ourselves in. Now, servants I, I know, they, let the, they don't let the size of the problem solve them, so, uh, stop them. The poverty, disease, poisonous corporate cultures, they don't stop them. They, see, they believe in a different code. They think that, you know what, what I can't do for everyone, I can do for one. What I can't do for all, I can do for one. Imagine how many big issues in life would be different if we lived by this code. Think back to a time when you selflessly helped someone. Were you happier afterwards? Servants believe differently. They take action and help people even in the face of an enormous problem, and they're happier as a result. And servants, you know what? They act differently as well. Bad attitudes are, re- are really the result of a, a, an issue of self-pity. When I fall into a bad attitude, I'm usually focused on how the circumstances are out of my control are affecting me. I become self-absorbed with how the world is impacting me. And, you know, servants, on the other hand, they focus on the needs of others, not on their own desires. They can, that can be difficult, you know, if we're 
going through some real trials in our lives. But for a lot of us, the trials in our lives pale in comparison to what other people are dealing with. Whether you consistently find yourself in the pit of self-pity or you fall into it periodically, I believe we can all learn from the selfless servants we know. We've got to act. We must start serving others. Who who can I make better today? Who can I help without expecting anything in return? We can act our way into feeling. See, if we begin to act like a servant, we're going to we're going to feel differently. We'll begin to see our circumstances differently and our attitudes are going to change. See, servants think differently, they believe differently, they act differently, they're different. I don't believe God made them differently. I believe they made choices daily to be different. My dad, as you know, is General Jim Anderson. He always told me as a teenager, hey, bud, your attitude's a choice. Make a different choice. And you know what? I say that tongue in cheek, but you know what? I believe servants, the servants we know, they all make a different choice. The choices we make and how we think, what we believe, and how we act do more to determine our attitudes than any other circumstance life can throw at us. If you don't believe me, answer this question. What's the difference? What is different about that cheerful cancer patient, that positive wounded warrior, or that selfless servant who lost a child? I think it's the fact that they keep making different choices than the rest of us. They choose to think differently, believe differently, and act differently. Now, what's that mean for a leader? That means for us as leaders, everybody's paying attention to how we think, what we, be- what we believe, and how we act. And those are choices we all, we all can make. And today we're going to be talking with Karen Dillon, who is the author of How Do You Measure Your Life? And we're going to talk about how to avoid being that unhappy yet highly successful leader. We'll be right back with Karen. This is Impact Radio, a dose of reality, a dose of advice, a dose of impact solutions. Dave Anderson will be right back. Imagine if you could stop reacting and start leading because you lead a low-maintenance team. A low-maintenance team has initiative, integrity, and enthusiasm. A low-maintenance team is fun to lead because they don't bicker, play politics, or wait for you, the leader, to tell them what to do. The Overwhelmed Manager's Guide to a Winning Culture is a step-by-step program that will eliminate bad attitudes, politics, and distrust on a team. The Overwhelmed Manager's Guide to a Winning Culture is a video-based course that provides even the busiest leaders with practical, real-life solutions that can be implemented during the whirlwind and busyness of your daily job. Watch the free introductory videos at OverwhelmedManagersGuide.com and learn more about what the Overwhelmed Manager's Guide to a Winning Culture can do for busy leaders who want to lead low-maintenance teams. Get the free PDF Hiring for Character Interview Guide by going to OverwhelmedManagersGuide.com and downloading the OMG Power Pack. Don't wait. Stop reacting and start leading. Visit OverwhelmedManagersGuide.com and start building your low-maintenance team today. Welcome back to Impact Talk Radio. It's time to stop reacting and start leading. Here's Dave Anderson.
Hey, we're back here today, and I'm really honored to have uh, Karen Dillon on, who is one of the authors of How Will You Measure Your Life, which is a New York Times bestseller. And I got to tell everybody listening here, I read this book, and I, I really read it in just two two quick sittings. And because there's so much in this, if you've been listening to Impact Talk Radio, if and you read this book, you're going to realize how much of what they talk about in this book is in line with what we've already always been talking about. Now, Karen, she has been the uh, editor of the Harvard Business Review, which is probably the most prestigious business-related magazine periodical in the world, really. And she was an editor there. She's a graduate at Cornell University and also Northwestern's uh, Northwestern's Medill School of, of Journalism. And she was actually named one of the world's most influential and inspiring women by Ashaka. I don't know if I'm saying that right, right, but Ashaka uh, group. And we have Karen on today to talk to us about, you know, how do we avoid being one of those overachieving yet unhappy leaders. Karen, thank you very much for uh, coming on today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, I said overachiever. I guess what I mean is a high achiever. Why do some high achievers get so dissatisfied with their lives when everybody else would look at them and say, wow, they've got it all, they've got it all licked? It's really ironic, isn't it, that some of the people we know who seem to have everything right on paper, they, they went to a great school, or they had great career opportunities, they've risen through the ranks really quickly, they have what a lot of people might envy. Uh, but if you ask them privately, you'd find a lot of people as they get higher and higher in their career and, and older and older in their life, turns out they're not actually very happy. Uh, and that's really, that's, that's a surprise because you think everything was possible for you. Why, why, why are you not happy? And I think the answer is in how high achievers are hardwired. Uh, I know you're a high achiever. Uh, I'll <laughs> speak to you. you, you know, we, people who are high achievers naturally are hardwired to want rewards for their actions, for their behaviors, and they want them quickly. So high achievers tend to take a path of things that will reward their hard work very quickly. So those things often come in obvious career choices. You stay an extra hour late at work. You might get a promotion, or you might be seen as a hard worker. You, you finish that report. You, you do a lot of things that put your energy into your work, um, and you get rewarded from that. But it turns out you've directed too many of your personal resources into one area, a job. Uh, and high achievers often pick jobs and careers for the wrong reasons. So oftentimes they're, they're drawn into things that look like they will give them high rewards and prestige and, and have other people pay attention to them, but those are not the things that are going to truly motivate them and make them happy in the long run. Well, let, let me think about this, Karen. Uh, I know you have – I'm thinking of those – You, I just met with a group of guys this morning. We were talking about like this, these midlife crisis the crises. Is that, is that kind of what you're talking about, how people get to that point in their lives? Well, in my case, it is, because <laughs> <I was laughs> sort of when I topped, talk, stopped to assess my own life. But I think it's relevant for lots of people. Let me start way back to how a high achiever makes uh, his or her choice for the first job. We're drawn to things that might sound impressive at cocktail parties, right? Do we have a great title? Is the company prestigious? Uh, am I going to get an office? You know, how, how do I look compared to everybody else? Those are all things that you can put on your resume and you can talk about with people and they'll make you feel proud of your job. But it turns out those are not the same things that are going to actually motivate you in your job and bring you professional and personal happiness in your job. 
there's a psychologist called Hertzberg who we've written with. He's written an article in Harvard Business Review, which is still one of our most popular uh, articles ever, talking about what really motivates people. And he has a very interesting insight that there's not one scale of, of what motivates you from unha- un- things that make you unhappy to things that make you happy. There are two different things. He calls what I just talked about the cocktail party fodder hygiene factors. Those are things that all look good on paper. They're all things that are important to you in your job. And they will make sure, they will ensure that you're not unhappy with your job. You make enough money, you have enough prestige, you are respected by people around you. But they're not the same things that will make you happy in your job. Those are two different scales. So Mm -hmm. being not unhappy in your job because you have enough of the hygiene factors, the things that look good on your resume, is not the same as being happy and fulfilled in your job because you have what we call intrinsic motivators, things that you can't really put down on a resume, but actually are the reason that people who are motivated in their job, motivated in their job get out of bed in the morning. Am I respected? Am I growing in this position? Am I being stretched? Do I believe in the cause? Am I motivated by the mission of, this, of the work? Things like that. Those things are the ones that are going to make people be motivated for the long term in their career. And if you have picked a job or a career path that doesn't give you those intrinsic motivators, you're really never going to be as happy as you could be. You might just not be unhappy. That's not the same thing. Yeah. I imagine for some people it almost becomes uh, almost becomes a trap as time goes on. Oh, it definitely becomes a trap because think about it. Every time you get a promotion, you get a, a new raise, you kind of build your life around that a little bit. We all do. You know, a promotion mm-hmm. or a raise is cause for celebration and maybe a splurge. And you, you've sacrificed and put a lot into whatever that line of career is or that job or that whatever you're doing. And it feels like, you know, changing course or, or doing something different will, ca- will cause you pain. You know, you'll, you'll take a step backwards. It's very, very hard for people to course correct the further and further they go down a particular career path. So, all right, so we probably have people at different stages in their careers listening today. We have people at the front end who, and, and probably people right smack dab in the middle here as well, and they're wondering, okay, so uh, it sounds to me like it's priorities. It's trying knowing what your priorities are. And, and when I was 25, 26, I didn't know what my priorities were. I mean, that's, you know, my, my, and, and as I got older, I, it's almost like I kind of developed them with time, but how, how do you help somebody? And what do you tell people when they say, you know, how, how do I figure out what I am, what does motivate me and what I should be doing as opposed to just dealing with the hygiene factors? Well, I think the the book that I wrote was with a Harvard Business School professor, Clayton Christensen, who gives this talk to his class as the last lecture, effectively, of his class every year. So he his intended audience was his students going out into the world, and his goal was to make sure that they make better choices than some of his own classmates years before at Harvard Business School had done, um, that they make better choices with their life. And, and his point is, if you don't even stop to think about it, you'll certainly, you'll just be swept away, you know, in the choices of your life. So, so the first point is even literally taking the time to spend a little bit of time thinking, what does matter to me? What will make me happy? I know, actually, I got lucky, I think, in hindsight, in my own job choices over my career, I would make, I would make like a grid of the things that mattered to me. And I started off unintentionally or not, not knowing I was doing this with the hygiene factors, but I did make a, a point of listing the things that were 
the mo- the more deep motivators. Um, mm-hmm. And in reality, those things actually tended to weigh more on my decision as I looked at them on paper. That I had a longer list of things that were deep motivators for the jobs that I did pick. So I think I stumbled upon doing this in reality. But the the mere act of thinking through it and starting to try to ask yourself what really makes me happy, uh, what do I really want to be doing, you'll have some of those uh, hygiene factors on there, of course. It's reality. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, if you've asked yourself, you know, do I need to, you know, work in collaboration with people? Do I need to believe in the mission of the organization? Is this a culture where they encourage people to grow from within? Am I ever going to be able to advance here? Ask yourself that sort of set of questions in your first few jobs. Um, that'll at least start you on a path where you're making more conscious choices. Uh, you know, maybe at 23 or 24, you can't fully, you probably can't, you know, know your purpose mm-hmm. in life and what the, what the most important things are. But if you keep it as an active question in your mind, you're going to get closer mm-hmm. and closer to an answer as you go on. If you're in middle stage, like I was when I ended up working on this book and working with Clay Christensen, um, you know, <laughs> I know you know, you've gotten far enough in your career to know what in hindsight has really mattered to you and mm-hmm. what's missing, you know, what's the missing link. And again, I think simply having that conversation with yourself self, and being honest with yourself, no one hears it but you, it's in your head or it's on paper in your journal or whatever. Um, if you dare to do that, you might see that you've stacked your deck against the things that are actually going to make you happy in the long run. And who wants to be you know, 45 and thinking I've got another 20 or 30 years in a career that really doesn't make me happy? You know, if you're at that age and stage, you want to think, okay, how can I get on track so that I feel great about the next few decades of my career? Why waste any more time? Yeah, it's interesting the way you put that, uh, Karen, because that's almost exactly my progression. I mean, I left the military and I spent 20 years in corporate world. And let me tell you, the first 15 years or so I in corporate world, I was I loved everything I did and I was highly motivated and everything. But things started to change and my viewpoints in the world started to change. And there was a day that I went off by myself and I had you know my journal and I had all these different books. I didn't have how you, will you measure your life, but <laughs> I, I, I had a lot of other books. I had my Bible with me and I, and I just sat there all day and just tried to think, what was I made to do? What was I made to do? And I walked out of there with kind of a vision statement for my life where you could call it a purpose statement, which said, you know, to lead good people to become the great people God designed them to be. A nod to Jim Collins on that. But it was, for me, that's how I started moving towards this whole idea of leader development and making that and character development for leaders and making that the passion of my life and then left the corporate world where the hygiene factors were all there. But and people thought some people thought I was very I was nuts for doing it because the timing was during the Great Recession, uh, back in the back in you know 2010 2011 and but I know I'm in my right spot and you know that got, I got through my midlife crisis if you want to call it that way <laughs> by making those changes and focusing on those priorities that maybe I hadn't been before. Imagine if you hadn't given yourself time to do that, right? You might be, you might kind of have it in the back of your head that there's something else that you want to do or you're not quite happy enough. But if you hadn't given yourself permission to really have that conversation with yourself, you know, I think you're in a great place now. And, and it took some sacrifice, I'm sure, and the change yeah. was probably hard. But uh, look at, you know, look at what you have ahead of you. It's just exciting. And it, it gets you out of bed in the morning. That's really different than so many people who settle for 
20 years to retirement, 19 years to retirement, you know, looking at whatever, you know, whatever they have to do to survive, and then they start looking for outside ways to be happy, and it's sad. You know, you spend most of your waking mm-hmm. life in a profession or in a job. It's, you know, life is too short to, to not be satisfied with that. And once you're at that middle stage, as I was as well, uh, you know, you really do know. Just give yourself permission to have that conversation with yourself. And, you know, the interesting thing is, take this back to the whole leadership aspect, your people you're leading know that you're not that that you're not all there and the, and your family knows that you're not all there so it's not just sometimes we can get so self-focused as i mentioned in the opening and be thinking of ourselves and we don't think about it it does impact the people that we're supposed to be leading if we're if we're in that mode where we're dissatisfied and and but we just feel like we're marking time until retirement or you know and it affects our family as well and how we relate to them Oh, the ripple effects of it are enormous. If, and if you think about it, leadership and management can be a truly noble profession if what you're doing is coming in and energizing people and helping them feel good, helping them have those intrinsic factors in their own career. Not only have you helped all of those people around you who you touch by being a leader who inspires, who's inspired and is inspiring, but then the ripple effects. We all come home, right? The difference between coming home with having had a great day and feeling good about yourself and coming home and needing half an hour to you know, veg in front of the television or something because you don't want to talk about it. You know, which person do you want to be coming home and think of all the people in your own life who are affected by that, your children, your spouse, your friends, your, your extended family, people you do or don't want to communicate with depending on how good or bad a day you had. So a leader can make the difference really in, you know, scores of lives without ever, without ever realizing that's what's happening. And that's what I love about the topic of leadership because it, it – I might talk about it in the business setting, but it flow, outflows to the home. As a matter of fact, I remember uh, I heard somebody say this once. I don't know where the data came from, but it was powerful that some somebody said that 75% of a person's waking hours are spent on work. Not at work, but on work because you're driving to work and you're thinking about work. You're driving home and you're thinking about work. As soon as you put the kids to bed, all of a sudden work pops back into your head. And so people are spending 75% of their time on work and the person who has the most impact as study and engagement surveys and everything show over and over again, the person who has the most impact on how somebody feels about their work is their direct supervisor. Right. And as a, and as a leader, to think about that, well, if I have impact on 75% of somebody's life, that, that's got to bleed over to the other 25% where there's the children and the spouse and all that. And that's humbling. If I have that type of impact, I don't just impact these people at work. I impact their home lives as well. It's, it's impact with a really big responsibility. If you want to be a leader and you are a leader, then, then be a great one. You know, don't, don't mm-hmm. be a so-so one. Be a great one and be one that does recognize that your responsibility ripples way beyond, you know, your own motivation when you walk in the door every day. And again, you don't think of, if, if I asked you for noble professions, you say doctor or teacher or mm-hmm. military. You know, a leader, the right kind of leader is truly noble work because you can get so many people a positive feeling, a positive attitude about their life, and then the ripple effects in their life when they go home. It's, it's a really powerful thing. You know, the interesting thing was, Karen, after I walked out of, uh, and I had that purpose statement for my life, I spent another two years at that job. But my the, I, was, I got reengaged. I, I knew at that point I probably wasn't staying in the company, but I got reengaged because I knew I, my people were depending on me to be engaged. And it, that having that understanding that to lead good people to become the great people God designed them to be, 
I could do that whether or not I loved my company at the time or not because I needed to love my people and I did. And so it got me – it put me back in the right mindset here. But let me – we got about a minute left before we take a break and we'll come back. But what if somebody's at that point? What, what suggestions do you give them if they, if they do feel trapped? Well, it's I, like you, I made a big life choice as well, and it took me a year to execute it as well. You can't, it's really, it's not realistic uh, to walk out the door unless you've, you've got a trust fund or you won the lottery or something. You know, you do have to plan. But if you start looking at the choices you make in your everyday life on the path to having a goal, in a year from now I will start my own business, or a year from now I am going to go in Peace Corps or whatever it is, you can make choices with your everyday life, your, you, what you do at work and what you do at home, that are more directed towards your goal. If the balance can at least shift more towards what gives, what is my purpose and what makes me happy and what will make the people around me happy, you'll start to see improvement, even just in little ways. Again, starting to ask yourself the questions and then holding yourself accountable, looking at all the discretionary choices of how you spend your time and what you place in high priority, you can shift enough to know that you're on the right path before you choose to make a different choice in your career. That's great. We, we're about ready to go to break. I just remember somebody saying to me one time, Dave, you know, people, when you die, you're not, they're going to replace you at work. They're going to replace you in where you volunteer in your ministries, but they're never going to replace you in your families. Your family will always have that, that hole in their heart when you're gone. And uh, I think that's something we, even as high achievers, we got to remember that because we get so caught up. And uh, with that thought, we'll be right back uh, after this quick message. This is Impact Talk Radio. Learn more on Dave Anderson's blog at andersonleadershipsolutions.com. Stay with us. Back after these. Passionate, dynamic, funny, straightforward, and down-to-earth are all words used to describe Dave Anderson as a speaker and a trainer. You know, people ask me, Dave, why not sales training? And I always say, you know, I could do sales training, and I do periodically. I did it for 20 years. But if I help somebody become a better salesperson, it's like helping somebody become a better accountant or a better engineer. Those skills, they stay at work when somebody heads home at night. But if I help them become a better leader at work, they go home, they're a better husband, a better father, a better mother, a better wife, better in their community, better in their ministries. I truly believe that leadership is what this world needs, whether it's at work or in our families. And if I can impact that during my lifetime, I know that I will have fulfilled my purpose before I meet my maker. If you want to book Impact Talk Radio host Dave Anderson as a speaker at your next meeting or convention, or you would like to discuss leadership development training opportunities with Dave, email him directly at dave at alslead.com. That's Dave at ALSLead.com. You can also follow Dave on Twitter at DaveAnderson88 and also on LinkedIn. Watch a video of Dave speaking at AndersonLeadershipSolutions.com. Leaders, if you want an engaged audience that walks away inspired and ready to become the leaders they were meant to be, contact Dave Anderson via email at Dave at ALSLead.com. Welcome back to Impact Talk Radio. No fluff, just straight talk with impact solutions for high-impact leaders. 
Here's Dave Anderson. Hey, you know, sometimes I, I some of the best conversations happen during the commercial breaks here, and I want to. I'm going to ask Karen to share something that she just shared with me uh, during the commercial break. But I want to make sure you know if you want to find out more about the book, how will you measure your life, and the resources that are available there, go to measureyourlife.com. Measureyourlife.com, and you can find out more about that and also uh, upcoming. And Karen, I know has an upcoming book, and she, actually she's going to come back for uh, a future uh, for a future interview. Uh, here and we're going to continue talking about how will you measure your life in another way on our next interview Uh, but maybe in the fall we'll bring Karen back for her new book but Karen why don't you share what you were saying about the sequencing of life uh, when you're sharing with me during the break sure sure it was following what you had just said at the end of our, our last little section of talking one thing that I think is so important to stress to people, because I think especially high achievers do this, is we're so goal-focused that, that people think, I, I can effectively sequence my life. I'm going to focus on my career for the next 10 years, and then I'm going to be a good husband or wife or son or daughter or parent. You know, I can, if I just get to the point in my career where I'm more comfortable and confident, then I can start paying attention to my kids. And the reality is you can't. Life has to happen simultaneously, and the more years you put on the back burner the things that you expect to turn to when you're confident, comfortable at a different level, those things will fade away from your life. And when you really want them, you're not going to be a great dad or a great mom. You're not going to be a good partner if you kind of wait to pay attention to your spouse until you've been married for 20 years because everybody agrees focusing on my career is the priority. You have to do those things at the same time. It's like a company that realizes they're in trouble if they haven't started to innovate new ideas well before the moment they realize they're in trouble, it's already too late. You have to be doing that long before you expect to need it or plan it. So just don't do that. Don't think everyone will understand. These are my career years. I'm going to be a great friend you know, once I reach X level or Y level. Guess what? That friend may not be that interested in being your friend in, in that time. You've waited too long to, to build and invest in that. Hmm. How do we reconcile that when when happiness at home and happiness at at work they they seem to be at odds you know so I know I there are moments in my life and I know there's probably people out there listening right now that everything's going great at home but work is not going well everything's going great at work but work at home is not going well I mean how how do we reconcile that well, I mean, it's hard. You know, it's hard to have all of your life be perfectly lined at one time, except they do think they tend to feed each other. Being happy at home, I think, gives you more license and liberty to try to work harder and be better at being happy at work. You know, when you're unhappy in one aspect of your life, it tends to be a drag on the other. But you have to look at, again, where are you putting your energy and resources? Are you, are you putting enough of your energy and resources into your home life as well as into your professional life so that you'll have a payoff there? Or are you, you know, hoping everything, again, will miraculously turn out fine down the line at some point? But I think they feed each other, to be honest. But I think you have to understand that you have to invest in both of them, both parts of your life, for them to have payoff for you. You know, I've heard it said there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is a feeling. Joy is a state of being. Mm -hmm. And happiness comes and goes. But I think what you started off with when we we were talking about those higher purposes, those priorities, you know, if you know what those are, if you take the time to look at those and you know you're moving towards those things and – 
and you, and you have those goals, that North Star that's out there. When you hit the bumps in the road, they don't feel like they don't feel like craters. I mean, they they just feel like bumps in the road. And so, yeah, you might be unhappy for a period uh, for a period of time, but you still have that joy because you know you're moving towards the important things. Absolutely, uh, and and I know for high achievers, for example, high achievers aren't necessarily used to having things go wrong. You know, and especially yeah. they tend to jettison the things that go wrong. Right? They fail once, and I'm not doing that anymore. So they stick with things that they're 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 good at. That's fine as long as you're good at everything. But guess what? All of us have bumps in the road at some point. Something goes wrong in our work or our personal life, and that's when I know you have to really dig deep. You know, have resilience and be, gain strength by surviving something and getting through it. And if you don't have that kind of light, you know, guiding you, the mm-hmm. North Star, as you said, uh, of purpose, then, you know, you might not have the ability to get yourself together to get through that thing and just crumble. We probably all know people who had a completely storied career or path through college and success, and then something really weird went wrong, and you couldn't believe that they sort of fell off the map at that point. And that's because they, they weren't, they didn't have the, the resilience and the kind of purpose and inner strength to get through something that's very difficult. If you can't do that, you're probably not going to make it to those, you know, that destination of what really matters to you. Karen, with that, we're going to have to we're going to have to uh, close it up here. But I want to make sure everybody understands the book is "How Will You Measure Your Life," and uh, it's by Clayton Christensen, James Allworth, and Karen Dillon. And one thing we didn't cover was something I covered in the opening, where they talk about how sacrifice can impact our commitment to something, and therefore it impacts our happiness. When we sacrifice something for the good of other people, for to have impact on something bigger, we are happier. We have more joy. That's what I want you all to go out there to do and realize these are all habits. These choices we make, they're all habits. Make the choice to do something for somebody else and watch your joy come. This is Dave Anderson and Impact Talk Radio, and stop reacting and start leading. We'll See you next time.